What up, y'all? Hope you are having an awesome day. Uh, I'm excited to dive into episode two of this relationship series. So just dive in and to see, um, yeah, things that went on in my story when it came to early stages of relationships all the way to present day. Uh, winter of, beginning winter of 2020. Uh, today in episode two, just going to be focusing on, man, what, what, what were my early pictures of relationships? What did I think it was supposed to look like the rest of my life? And how does the main issue, an addiction, get turned into a do-over that I thought was impossible? So I hope, hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Who is your girl? Or who are you hooking up with? That was the language used going into high school and going into college. It was no longer who's your girls, just who you're hooking up with. That was the culture. That was the just talk that went around for for guys to guys, and even um, when when just friends were hanging out. Guys and girls, who who's your girl or who are you hooking up with? If that was the phrase that was constant through high school and college, like what what was what was surrounding that? What what made those sayings a thing, at least in my life? Uh, for me, it was um, I think it was probably around junior high when I first started to notice how attractive girls were how pretty they were and if I ever got a girlfriend in late junior high or high school I didn't know what to do I just knew that there were those who I saw as very pretty and I wanted to be seen as significant or important or handsome uh, to them that maybe more on a on a emotional connection level I wanted a girl who I found attractive to find me attractive not so that it's oh, all about looks but it's just like I was seeking to feel important I was seeking to feel one of a kind or unique at least by that one person by that one girl that they talk to me differently that they see me differently the rest of the, than the rest of the guys and so for me it was trying to trying to just get the girls I like to like me back but the rest of the, uh, the world and the culture was, what? What you doing? Who are you hooking up with? Maybe who's next? And around this same time is when I discovered porn, is when I found myself um, glued to a TV screen, glued to a computer screen, because if I wasn't finding um, connection or importance or significance or being sought after by the girls at school, I was seeing pictures on a screen that made me feel those things, that made me feel important in a way, that made me feel significant, that, whoa, a naked woman before me that I get to see. I know different people have, have different ways that they, they, they came about um, 
taken in porn, that they came to view porn, they came to watch porn for the first time and it continued to last. For me, it was a stumbling upon and just being glued, just being uh, fixed, just being, okay, this feels good. And so in, in real life, quote unquote real life, I'm, I'm trying to figure out friends, sports, uh, going into high school, trying to get girls that like to like me, but back at home, this continuing habit of how to keep this secret of away from family, away from parents, just to myself, stay up late, wake up really, really, really early in the morning, um, lie to my parents, deceive myself. But the habit felt good. The habit felt good. And as I was wrapping up high school, uh, I started to, to go to church. I uh, got invited to church. Uh, wanted to, to be like, okay, I have some friends. They have sports. They have friends. They have church. Like, I have those first two things. I don't have church. Uh, maybe I need that. But still didn't feel what I was doing at home in secret was a bad thing. It wasn't until my first year in college to where I was starting to learn about a relationship with God versus a religion to belong to. And it was it was then that I start feeling this this tension between me, this this tug of war of maybe I shouldn't be continuing with this this porn thing. Maybe maybe this isn't right. But the more I became um I guess aware that it was a bad thing is the more I realized <laughs> that uh, I needed help. I needed help because I would do my best. I would lean on my own power and strength to go to go a week maybe without watching porn, to go a month. I th my guess is the longest I ever went during those years was a month or two months maybe. But it couldn't go any longer than that. And and it was it was these years of college to where... I was, yes, trying to figure out what is going on uh, in my brain of how come I can't stop. I feel like I want to stop, but I can't. And so this, 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 this habit that started way back in middle school and lasted up almost, yeah, 10 years of addiction to porn. It, it was harm that I was doing. It was harmful to myself and it was harmful to others. Harmful to myself because I was living two lives. To most of the world, I was this good kid that had very loving parents, that I honored them very well, that I was a friend to a lot of people, that I was someone that could be trusted, that I could be... Um, a listening ear to someone that had an encouraging word all the time. But when I was by myself, I was the other person. I was the quiet. I was keeping the secret close. I didn't want anyone else to know. Whether it was just to get another rush, another high by watching porn, or if I was stressed out and just wanted something that I knew I had quote-unquote control over. That made me feel important when I had a hard day at school. That made me feel um, 
better when I was feeling sick. That excited me when I felt like the day was boring. Or maybe a day had gone really well. And a way to cap it off was with this. <laughs> no matter which way my head tried to spin out, I was always looking for more. Trying to get back to that original high. Trying to just taste more. Harmful to myself. And harmful to others. Harmful to others because whether it was those first couple of years, way back in middle school and high school, to the years later on in college when I was trying to get rid of it on my own. And every moment in between harmful to others because I was viewing the world, viewing young women and older women as objects, a means to an end. As something to take in and to undress with my eyes to make myself feel good, to fantasize, to, to do what I was teaching myself in secret that a woman was to make me feel good by being undressed and doing things for me. I was on to the next one. <laughs> like that song, literally, on to the next one, on to the next one. Never slowing down. Harmful to others. And I, and I share this because I'm not looking to be churchy. I'm not looking to be religious. I'm not looking to be like, obey these rules. I am, again, just, just here to say, what if there's something more? What if it isn't just a phase that all guys go through and some and girls go through? The curiosity, the just something they'll get over eventually. What if it isn't just a phase? What if it is hurting marriages? What if it is hurting families? What if it is putting up large walls in between uh, two people? And they have to stay quiet. They have to ignore the elephant in the room because they just want to keep coasting along. And it's too far gone that they can't turn back now. What if it's not just a phase or something innocent? For me, I know that if I were to continue down that path, if I... Uh, I am 10 years sober today, or I should say, I am 10 years sober now. It's around this time that I actually stopped. I'll get into that in a couple episodes, which is kind of cool how that just fired out of my mouth. But um, from early middle school, maybe even before that, to the year 2010, I was in this, this cycle of harming myself and harming others. I was in this cycle that I thought was impossible to break. I was in this addiction, in this establishment of habits that I was trying in the later half to get rid of that I thought would never come. Because from 2010 to 2020, I'm living a life that I didn't know was possible. I hoped it would be. <laughs> I dreamt maybe. But because I could only go a month, maybe, without it on my own strength. If you were to tell me 10 years sober, I've been like, who is that? And what's their name? I have so many questions. <laughs> because that self was stuck. 
I was game planning, I was brainstorming this this episode and, and this analogy came to mind. I think that um, maybe it's just for one person. Maybe it's just for myself to continue to praise God for the work that he's done. I think of when um, when people may have the perception that Oh, it's no big deal. I, I mean, I thought this. It's no big deal. I'm not, I'm not harming anyone. Because the lie that I'm told is, I could look at this this screen with this naked woman who I don't know. And it's no harm to them. It's no harm to me. Begin. It, it, it starts this trail, this road, this highway to start thinking about women to start thinking about others. The analogy that I thought of is this, is if, if I had a friend hit me up for coffee or hit me up and say, hey, let's get coffee, let's get a beer, let's, 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 let's hang out. Maybe we, hang, we meet up, we hang, hang out for an hour, just having some good conversations and then after an hour we go our own separate ways. What if... I found out later that that friend wasn't really engaged, wasn't really present. They were just trying to figure out how to get into my bank account. That they were trying to figure out what my passwords were, to, to, to take funds out of my account and never put it back. You may think, that's crazy, that's totally different things. Sex and money like that doesn't make sense, but no, let, let, me, let me go a little deeper. Sticking with that analogy, what if my um, f- friend who hit me up was just upfront about it from the beginning? Hey, uh, I get a text from him. Hey, Flo, um, can we can we hang out next next Friday? I, I'm I'm free from two to three. Can we get an afternoon coffee? Um, I'm, I um, wanted to 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 meet up because I'm in need. Uh, I need money, and um, I'm just gonna. Come and, and uh, just uh, have you log on to uh, your bank on, on my phone and I'm going to have you log in and I'm just going to uh, and transfer money from your account uh, to mine because I, uh, I just need more. I, I'm in need. Um, what I did last month to get the money um, has, has ran out dry and I, and I see I know you're someone that has that money that I need. Um, oh, paying you back? Uh, uh, no. No, um, I'm just going to take what I need and then I'll probably um, go to another friend that we know or I'm going to go to another person. Uh, maybe I'll come back when I, when I need more, but no, yeah, no, no paying back. I don't, I don't have any intention of that. Now, there are a lot of generous people out there, a lot of giving who maybe in my my shoes would um, or would be like, hey, like in the terms of, and again, talking about money, would say, yeah, like, I'll lend it to you. Like, let's talk. Let's figure out what's going on. Like, can, can I get, what is things going on at work? Like, like good-hearted people, good-intended people that want to help. But we talk about, the, uh, no, I'm not going to pay you back. No, I'm not going to invest. No, I'm going to take from you, and I feel okay about that. 
I'm gonna wrong you and I feel okay about that. It's the same thing that happens to, it's the same thing that happened to my brain when the addiction of porn happened. I'll undress a woman with my eyes and take something from her, but I'm never gonna invest in them. I'm never gonna pursue them. I'm never gonna look to get to know them more, their their passions, their their hopes, uh, uh, their accomplishments, their experience. No, I, I ain't no intention of that. It's the same thing. <laughs> Jesus shared lots of things that I'm thankful that he shared. There's a section where he uh, says, you know what, if, if, if you even look at a woman with lustful intent, you have committed adultery in your heart. I wonder what it would have been like to have been someone to hear that live out of Jesus' mouth. Because if I was hearing that for the first time out of his mouth, I would have been living in a culture that um, is way different than 2020, way different than 2010, way different than 2000, year 2000. Because they were used to, oh, don't physically go and commit adultery. And you're good. And you're, and you're obeying God. And so maybe they're expecting Jesus to say the same thing just to reiterate what they know. But Jesus says, hey, even just looking at someone with lustful intent, there's, there's a separation that can happen. There's, there's, this, there's this thing that can happen to your brain, your soul, all of you. It affects you, it does, even if you don't think it does. How much so does it affect you? So much that you don't even need to do the actual physical act. You just need to think of doing it. And that is not my desire for you. That's not my our intention in creating this world, creating sex. We could just pause there on the words that Jesus says, but he goes on to say, hey, if if these things are continuing, if, if your eye causes you to sin, if your hand causes, causes you to sin, cut it off because it's worth it. It's worth it to, to do the hard thing, to, to turn a new way, to change a habit. It starts by trusting what I say about this is true. That true joy, true intimacy, true life, true love, true relationship is found by starting with me. Friends, for me personally, The addiction to porn, it was harmful to myself and it was harmful to others. And there was this point in 2010 that there was a game-changing moment that I am excited to share with you. In the next episode, I'm excited to continue to dive in. There was a moment of hope. I'm speaking into this mic in 2020, just in awe of like, I am 
looking back and saying, look what Jesus did. I'm looking back and flexing. <laughs> because again, that 2005 version of me, that 2009 version of me, that years like this were impossible. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Relationships is this series. And one of the most well-known verses in the Bible for God to love the world that he gave his only son. Those are words about a relationship. It's in our DNA. The enemy would love to twist things. Would love to mess up what God designed. But Jesus gets the final say. And I think for a lot of people out there, it's portrayed that Jesus' word on things is harsh, is to follow rules is strict. But I invite you to open the Bible and see for yourself that Jesus is a, is a friend. He's also a powerful friend. <laughs> and I've been fixated on lately that in one of the books, uh, John uh, chapter 1, about halfway through that chapter, he says, full, Jesus is full of grace and truth. I love that it's that order. Grace and truth. A lot of times we <laughs> think, oh, we need to know and be about the truth first and then you can receive the grace. No. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, grace. That's who whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Truth. Grace. It's crazy. Thank you for listening. See you on the next one.